Silver Script and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I'm joined once again today by Anthony Irwin. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm I, I'm laughing at the fact that a NASCAR driver, a NASCAR track dr- truck driver, was considered too racist or is too racist to continue running with NASCAR because yeah, they got rid a- of the Confederate flags. That's a look that you definitely, that's the side of history you want to fall on right there. I just love how he was like, uh, I, this isn't about racism. This is about personal beliefs. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, your personal beliefs are racist. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like in, in, in this country, we, we have a right to believe whatever you want. Yeah, you're right. Sure. But you aren't allowed to be publicly racist like, <laughs> and not expect any kind of, of retribution. What are you talking about? good on nascar though i can't believe it like this is wild i i I never i mean for one thing we shouldn't really you know applaud too loudly that it took you know to being 2020 for them to Mm -hmm. finally say okay enough with that flag guys you know right but at still when you consider how loudly and loudly southern those fans can be uh I, 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 I never thought I would see the day. I, I thought I was just, anytime you tune into NASCAR, that was just going to be part of the experience. Um, and good on them for, for, for making this step or taking the step, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Uh, I think any sort of progress has to be celebrated at some point, you know, yeah. because these are, these are institutions that I, I literally would never have expected to change within my lifetime. So right. to have some measure of accountability, you know, is it's something and they have a, a wide fan base, you know, that is no longer going to see the Confederate flag. And that, that means something. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, the way the, you know, my, my kind of big takeaway there, and I think it kind of goes in with, with everything is, you know, you had Ben Shapiro out there who sounds like SpongeBob with Squidward's politics. And <laughs> like, he, he's out there complaining about how there's just no sports left. He's, he, he, stumbled almost stumbled into saying safe space right he said mm-hmm. like it's this, you know whatever whatever phrase he used he but he said like you, you there are no more sports that are apolitical and it's just like that that has literally never been the case like mm-hmm. when you look at a, a lot of the major issues across our country's history the world's history uh you see that politics have always played a role in in sports that's why when espn was so loudly coming out against politics like that in itself was a political statement and here with nascar having turned uh you know the the other cheek to so many of their fans waving this flag that is deeply offensive to a huge percentage of this country uh and and you know for for the, for them to have turned their the other cheek to that for so long and then finally come out here and say okay yeah that's we we are we are given all of the progress that we're making throughout the country. Even cops got canceled the other day. Uh, like for for us to be making all of this progress everywhere else, and then for it to stop 
at NASCAR's doorstep, that would have been a terrible look. And so for, for them to come out and, and, and put out a strong statement, and apparently like they're really going to hold their fans, fans accountable to this, at least the fans that uh, you know, reside in the, uh, inside the circle. Inside, I, don't, I don't even know what the, the track area, what the name is. Mm-hmm. But the, for, for those fans who are, you know, who are on uh, track grounds, this is going to be something that they're very strict about and, you know, good on them. I, I, I have family from, from, uh, from Texas and my uh, wife's family is from, is, you know, is from Chicago and in like the suburbs in Chicago where a lot of this kind of runs deeply through that culture and, you know, I, I look forward to hearing them complain about it next time we all get together. But at the end of the day, this is the right, this was the right call. And, 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 you know, like you said, we have to celebrate the stuff whenever we see it. Yeah. And I think uh, what you said about sports being inherently political just throughout their history is something I, I wanted to pick up on because uh, this is ostensibly a basketball related podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a few of the Lakers are continuing to step into political sphere as they have been ever since killing of George Floyd and all of the nationwide protests that have followed in the last two weeks. Um, The one that kind of surprised me was Kyle Kuzma wrote a really important letter in Players Tribune about the experience that he's faced as a biracial man, which, I mean, we make a lot of fun of Kuz because Mm -hmm. it's very easy to make fun of Kyle It's very easy to, yeah. Um, But it was surprisingly thoughtful to hear him talk about how he's you know, it's a, it's a common experience, I guess, among biracial people sort of feeling left out from both groups. But then mm-hmm. the, the way he talked about voting and um, using his platform to make a difference, you know, because he is not just an NBA player, he's a Los Angeles Laker, and that carries with it a tremendous amount of weight. Um, for him to decide to use that influence to inspire people to vote, I think is really important. Um, yeah. And I... <laughs> I kind of, I'm kind of surprised it came from Kuzo, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm very impressed. You know, he's, he's a young player, but this is a very important thing. And obviously there are issues regarding voting and voter suppression that he didn't quite get into, but this is an important issue and it's something that people have to take seriously. And I was very proud of Kuz for coming forward and making this part of his platform. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought, cause he also did an interview with Carmelo Anthony right and mm-hmm. you know they were talking about the stuff and he even said <clears throat> he voiced the opinion of a lot of people of color not just black but i have mexican family who i've had to talk to you know i've y- younger cousins and stuff who when they say stuff like yeah i nobody cares about our vote it's like it's not a matter of like nobody caring it's it's that you have to identify this this one source of power that every american is is supposed to be able to wield and Mm -hmm. you know to see lebron james especially given everything that's going on in georgia right now right where you have people waiting upwards of three hours to cast their votes in certain sections of the city uh we saw in wisconsin where uh during a global pandemic you had any you know countless people in the inner cities we're having to stand in lines uh, in in much closer proximity, I would imagine, than they were probably comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and it's all of these things. And, and you know, people, especially conservatives, like to act as if 
voter suppression is not a thing and it, that it's this myth. But but really, when you see it as plain as day as we've seen it, and that's what LeBron James was saying when he started this uh, more than a vote campaign, right? It's that it's that it's not just that we want you to vote, but we also want you to identify when you are when when the attempt is made to stop you from voting. You know, and and you know when you hear Kyle Kuzma talk about how disenfranchised he was from the political system, like that's a that's that's the result of some very purposeful policies to disenfranchise people of color from voting, and it succeeded for all this time. And now to see all you know Kuzma, LeBron, any number of athletes all throughout the country, you know, coming out and saying no even when they try to hold you back from voting, you have to recognize that power that you hold and, and do so as educated as possible. And, and seeing LeBron, you know, really commit to educating people on the issues and educating people on the importance of voting and, and all of these things, it was just, it's been really cool to watch uh, when, and, you know, during a time when sports aren't really there to distract us, this is athletes using their platform, finding their platform despite not having sports and using it in a very positive manner. It's just, it's just really cool to see. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the fact they're acknowledging all of the issues that surround voting, like you mentioned, voter suppression and disenfranchisement, like those aren't excuses. They're not using those as excuses to not vote, right? Yeah. And it would be very easy to look at that and see, well, our votes really don't count or they're trying to make it so that we can't vote. And yeah, that's, that has been the case because of the failure to implement the Voting Rights Act. But uh, if anything, they're using it as reason to go out there and vote, right? Exactly. They, they're using it, they're, they're, they aren't allowing it to be, or they aren't stopping it, no longer allowing it to be an excuse for their lack of voting or, or, or their uh, lack of, uh, I, I guess, confidence in the system. Mm -hmm. they, they're saying that, no, this is actually, this is, this is why we have to get out there and vote so that we can make that change from the ground up. And, and, you know, who, it might just be that this is a unique situation because of everything that's going on. You have people not as focused on sports. You have people mm -hmm. who have been stuck indoors now for four months and you have all of this, I mean, and, <laughs> a huge thing that I have to say here, right? absolutely fair righteous anger at the entire system across the entire countries and 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 you know what you and i talked about and I, I believe it was our last show was whenever sports do come back i really hope that that doesn't serve as a distraction so that people you know now care less about it right i always think of the dog from up where uh <laughs> So they're, they're, they're focused on this really, really important thing. Sports come back. Oh, squirrel. And, and, we, <laughs> and, we, and we now move on. I, 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 and I think this is an example of the NBA and especially LeBron, which is, he, he has been the, the face of the NBA for dang near two decades. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody really speaking up and being productive in this platform, even while they don't have sports. And, and one of the things that Adrian Wojnarowski said is, whenever they do resume, they want to be organized in the way that they are going to continue this momentum forward. It's just, it's just really cool to see all the way around at a time where we very obviously need some structural change. 
Yeah, and I think LeBron is being very purposeful in how he goes about this more than a vote initiative because if you look at the athletes that he has recruited to be a part of this, we've got Jalen Rose from Michigan, uh, Draymond Green Mm, from Michigan, Udonis Haslam from Florida, uh, Alvin Kamara from Georgia, and even Skylar Diggins-Smith from Arizona. All of those are, you know, states where they tend to lean a little red. (laughs) And (laughs) it's of utmost importance that, I mean, obviously LeBron has said that he's not, you know, pushing for people to vote for one person or another. That's not the impetus here. The point is simply to use your civic right to vote. But I don't think it's an accident that the athletes are from these states because we talked about Georgia, just a hallmark example of voter suppression and Florida and Michigan have been so crucial for elections for basically my entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think it's really important that LeBron chose these athletes and I don't think it's an accident. And we gave LeBron crap earlier this year for his comments about China, you know, uh, he hasn't always deserved (laughs) crap, right? He hasn't (laughs) always been like perfect in terms of his politics. Uh, And I think this is a good sign that he's sort of wising up, right? Like, um, maybe he's not informed enough to comment on issues in China. And honestly, like, I understand that, but he lives here. He knows what's going on here. He has an immense platform to influence Americans. And I think this is a very cool way of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got this question actually from uh, the Lockdown Lakers mailbag. And they asked, you know, how can after the way LeBron and, and others throughout the NBA responded to China and like, let's be, let's be frank, kind of cowered and kowtowed to whatever it was that China asked them to do or whatever it was that enabled the relationship to move forward, right? Not mm-hmm. cost everybody a bunch of money. Um, why after that, are we now, you know, listening to athletes on these other issues? And my question, my, my response is basically, it seems pretty unfair to demand athletes, uh, people whose jobs it is to put a ball in a basket, to be a- absolutely informed on all societal matters across the entire globe. Mm-hmm. And in this one, in this one instance, the reason why we 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 listen to pri- predominantly black athletes on the on these matters is, well, hey, they have experienced different things than I have, than people who look like me have. And, and you know, if, if we aren't going to listen to them on this stuff and, and, and are trying to suppress their, their uh, very American right to speaking up on matters that they, they hold dear to the heart, then I don't really know what, what it is that we are supposed to listen to them on. And, and yes, like, yes, they absolutely screwed up the China thing earlier this year. You know, I, I wrote, I, I, I think at some point I became like the unofficial beat writer for that topic. Um, and it was, it was, we know how much you love to write. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It involved reading and it involved writing. It was two of the, two of my favorite things in the world to do. And, you know, I, I was, pretty vocal in, in pointing out the some of the hypocrisies that were at play throughout that entire ordeal. Even with that said, though, this is a hugely important matter, not just specifically to these athletes, but to America as a country. Having an informed populace and having 
what to this point has been a very disenfranchised percentage of this country, bringing them back into the fold and educating them on issues and enabling them to make their own uh, decisions, to, to inform their own opinions, and then eventually exercise their civic right. I, I, don't, I can't think of very many more American things than what is going on right here. Right. And I don't expect LeBron to get everything right. You know, no one gets everything right. But this, like you said, is an experience. This is his experience. Being a black man in America is his experience. He is uniquely qualified to speak to this situation, as are so many of the athletes in the NBA and in other professional sports in this country. Like, maybe they don't know enough about international issues, but they sure, they surely know what's going on in America and they can speak to this better than anybody else can. And that's why they deserve a platform here. And I, I commend them for taking advantage of this moment in our country's history and using it to further some positive change because who knows when something like this is going to come around again. You know, like they're, this is the time when they have to act and, you know, kudos to LeBron, Kuzma, everybody else who's been taking advantage of this time to effect some sort of positive change. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So there is some NBA news we should probably get to, but let's take a little bit of break and we'll come back to it. <laughs> All right. So the NBA and the Players Association both independently agreed on a plan to restart the season in Orlando last week. And mm-hmm. it seemed like we were kind of headed towards smooth sailing until July 31st in Orlando. Uh, you know, the NBA had figured out its safety guidelines. It seemed like what was once described as a bubble, but then became a campus environment was converging to become more of a bubble again. Uh, I felt pretty good about basketball coming back. And then today we got a report that factions of players are uncomfortable with the idea of resuming play in Orlando. So me, my first thought was, oh, I guess the safety requirements aren't strict enough and they're worried about the pandemic because uh, coronavirus cases have been increasing in Orange County, Florida over the last week. Like this is a very real thing. It appears the U.S. is experiencing a second wave as we reopen and virus is a legitimate threat. And then we come back and hear that, oh no, they think it's too restrictive of an environment in Orlando and they don't want to live there for three months to play basketball. So on the one hand, we've been talking, you know, for the first half of the show about, uh, political change that's been happening in the country. And this is an overwhelmingly black league and their labor, and they don't want to subject themselves to working conditions that they deem unrealistic. On the other hand, they're still just living in Disney world. <laughs> I, I don't know. How do you feel about this, Anthony? I mean, it turns out professional athletes are just as capable of being out of touch as regular millionaires. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it was, it was funny because Look, anybody who's paid close attention to these negotiations, and that's what they really are, mm-hmm. have have probably seen something like this coming, right? And especially anybody who has covered or watched the NBA for a very long time, or just professional sports for a very long time, the idea that a large percentage, a, a the vast majority of NBA players would have to be celibate for three months uh while they while they play basketball in this bubble like that was just never gonna happen right or 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 if it wasn't if it wasn't ever gonna happen it was definitely not gonna go down without some 
pause from some of these players, right? And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I can only imagine, you know, the email thread here. <laughs> I want, I want, I want in on some of those conversations. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, look, this was why you and I mocked so vehemently the idea that it was a bubble, but wasn't really going to be a bubble, and and this campus, you know, identity and and all of these things. Apparently, it, it you know, at one point over during all of this. NBA players were reluctant to even get tested. Uh, the 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 kind of traditional or the safest test that that can be run, which, frankly, I completely understand. Right? The yeah, it, it like, sounds miserable. It, I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched the video of it, but it looks awful. You know, where they jam like a really long Q-tip up your nose and and keep it there for upwards of a minute. Uh, I I look. They, all of this was always going to be a negotiation. And the, things I, the thing I always fall back on is that if they are going to move forward with this and they are going to have more lax uh, protocols and sa safety protocols uh, than you know, maybe you or I predicted, I would like access to the science that points to them, pointed them in that direction, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if, you're, if you're going to say that uh, well, it turns out these guys are less at risk than the rest of Americans. Okay, fine. Like, like prove to me why. Because mm -hmm. any number of Americans and any number of people around the world are going to look at the NBA being more uh, lackadaisical in, in their approach to keeping everybody safe. And they're going to say, well, wait, if those guys can do it that way, then what's stopping us from reopening this business that I haven't been able, able to open in four months, right? And to a certain extent, like I completely understand for, for people who have businesses and their entire livelihoods are wrapped up in their ability to open up, whether it's their salon, their, their nail place, their restaurant, their, you know, uh, smaller goods store, like wh whatever it might be, if the NBA is going to be allowed to push forward like this, and not take safety as seriously as the rest of the country is going to be ha is going to be allowed to. I can really understand why some might, you know, cry double standard. Uh, and and frankly, if there is going to be that double standard, I would like some scientific evidence as to why this is the way that they're going to push forward. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the MLS released its coronavirus protocol earlier today, and they are also going to be playing at the Walt Disney World campus uh, when they resume their season, either, I don't know if it's at the end of June or in July, but it's within a similar time frame, And it is rigorous. Like the amount of testing that players have to go through before they leave for Orlando, once they get there, the level of contact tracing they're engaging in, the mandatory quarantines, um, what happens if somebody tests positive, like everything is very clearly spelled out. And you think because the NBA is operating in almost entirely the same situation, except for the fact that they have additional risks because their sport is conducted indoors. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd think they would be handling the virus with the same level of rigor that the MLS is. And maybe they want to do that, but the players have more power in the yes. NBA than they do in other leagues. And if they want a little more freedom, I imagine they're going to get it. They have. And, yeah. I mean, we just, we just learned today, right. That uh, the league is working on a proposal that will allow players who don't want to come to just skip. And I mean, I could see like 
someone on the Washington Wizards, you know, uh, DC was already a hotspot for the virus saying like, why, why am I going to Orlando to play eight games when we're not making the playoffs? If we do, we're losing in four to Milwaukee. Like, what is the point of this end of the season? Like, I could easily see why you'd want to stay home and protect yourself. Yeah, I mean, the point of the season though is to to get paid. Like, yeah. <laughs> the the point of the point of playing, and this is kind of the part where I start to lose some of my uh, understanding here is that, like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say that. I guess one thing, if you're if you're just outright nervous about playing basketball during a global pandemic, right? If Very that is reasonable the, opinion. <laughs> yes. If that is the only, if that is like your starting and end point of the conversation, then like this isn't for you. And I think special, uh, so, some type of an arrangement needs to be made so that the people who are uncomfortable with all of this aren't forced into participating and aren't going to take as big a financial hit because of that stance. But mm-hmm. if the reason you don't want to participate in this is because groupies aren't going to be allowed in, in the bubble, like, I'm sorry, man, if that's why you are concerned or, or, or why, like, if that is the line in the sand that you will not cross, then you are going to take a financial hit because you are going to be putting the NBA in a spot where they have to now take a financial hit. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of the way this works. And, and yes, we live in this era of player empowerment. You were absolutely right to point out that uh, NBA players have significantly more leverage over the league than MLS players do. But at the end of the day, like coronavirus doesn't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> this is a scientific thing that has affected people from all kinds of backgrounds here. And, and especially early on, seem to single out the people who who so publicly flouted its legitimacy right like that was i i you know that was that was honestly a little mind-boggling to me to to watch all you know so many people who called it a hoax who called it this who called it that who who you know just just laughed in the face of science almost every single time that happened either that person or somebody close to that person came in contact with the virus or, or actually contracted the virus and they mm-hmm. then had to quarantine. And, you know, in this case, I, while, while yes, we do technically know more about coronavirus right now than we did at the beginning of all of this, there are also more cases around the world and, and there are more people carrying this. So in a way, it's more dangerous to go out into the world right now than it was at the very beginning of this. Um, especially if you do so without wearing a mask or with the sole purpose of getting laid. Like that is, that is like the, the one thing, like if you think of all of the ways you can contract this thing, uh, close contact for uh, an extended period of time, breathing closely to another human being, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, anything that, that forces your body to, uh, exert more energy than normal, right? And opening up the pores and all of that. Like the sex is like the one thing that, that you are not supposed to be doing <laughs> during a global pandemic with something as contagious as this can be. And, and if this is the line in the sand that the NBA player, that, that, that uh, a, a portion of players 
are worried about, then like, I don't know, man, your priorities are kind of in the wrong place. I did, however, like just to offer some levity to all this, cause, cause you know, there's nothing more exciting than science talk. Sure. Um, <laughs> this graph or this sentence from Woj uh, on his report just absolutely killed me. Quote, executives and coaches around the NBA have had significant concern about how players will adapt to an environment unlike any they've ever experienced and how those hurdles could impact the sustained competitive drive for teams. <laughs> so it turns out what, 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 the reason people or professional athletes are so competitive are the groupies. Like, that's it. That's the, <laughs> we figured this out. This is, I, I, I don't mean to sound crass, but like this whole thing just seems so insane to me. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I have some questions about the money because it says that players who elect to opt out of the Orlando portion will, uh, you know, give up parts of their paychecks from those games. But does that mean that the eight teams that have already been eliminated are not getting any additional money? So wouldn't they just be on like equal footing with everyone from Minnesota or Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, I don't... The, I think the, the thing that Woj is running into right now when everybody reporting on this is the story is that they're reporting on a negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. Which means that they're reporting moving targets. So yeah. on one hand, like the NBPA is going to want it known that, oh my God, look at how much money they're asking our players to give up, right? And then mm -hmm. the owners are going to turn around and say, oh my God, look at the stupid reason as to why players are reluctant to go out there and play, you know? Right. And um, I do think it's like disingenuous for Woj to say that the players yeah. would be able to leave or like not go to Orlando without consequence as if eight games of pay is no consequence. Right. Like, that's the whole reason we're restarting this is just to make money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the, I think the Lakers get paid some like one and a half million per game. Per game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not insignificant. <laughs> you I mean, know? they applied for what a, a, a how much was that PPP loan they applied for? <laughs> it was like four point six million. So right, that so thing twelve is, billion now coming through. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like I think the NBA, the, the Lakers are very much on board with all these things, and 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 all the owners are. It's just, you know, it's tough because on one hand you want to empower athletes to stand up for what they truly believe in. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to take some of those gripes seriously given the situation that they are going to be playing in and that so many people around the country and around the world are given the spot that they're in economically right now. You know, like, right. I, I, I don't, I don't mean to sound like Mr. Man of the people here. Right. I, I, I myself work from home and have been able to get by through all of this, you know, albeit I took a hit, but, but mm -hmm. relatively comparatively speaking unscathed. And, and, you know, it's, I, I don't want to come off as, you know, telling athletes that they are entitled because that is a heavily coded word, right? I'm not going right. to go that far, but at the same time, you do have people all over the country, 40 million people are sitting there without jobs and no, those people are not as talented as NBA players and no, they don't carry as much leverage with their employer as NBA players do. But that doesn't change the fact that for 40 million people here, they're hearing professional athletes uh, raise hell 
about having to stay at a resort for three months and play basketball for millions of dollars. I, I just, I, 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 I hope the NBA, both the owners and the players, frankly, are cognizant of, of that perception. Right. The optics are incredibly important. I mean, uh, it's kind of how the NBA has carried his messaging, like ever since they shut down the league in March, right. Trying to put on a good face for the rest of the country. Right. And this is, this is not the look you want to go for. Um, my gut is that they'll figure something out pretty soon and it'll probably just be like a slightly relaxed, uh, environment compared to the initial one they reported last week. Um, which, which scares me a little bit because I, I finally thought that they were getting the appropriate safety measures in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, everyone has to work together. Players have to be on board. And, uh, I, I just thought that like when they said that the NBPA approved the restart, they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is the restart they approved. But like you said, they're reporting on negotiations. So we're consistently, you know, working with moving targets here. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that took me by surprise too. I thought we were done. And then when Woj came out with today's report, it really kind of struck me like, Oh, wait, we wait, what, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> we're, we're here still. And, you know, it's been, look, I mean, we, we have praised the NBA for their handling of this, uh, especially compared to baseball, which like, it's funny as we're, as we're recording this, I have Woj's story up. And the video that's playing is all of the money that's at stake for, for baseball, right? I think the Dodgers. Yeah. Does, does Rob Manfred actually like baseball? I, don't... <laughs> I mean, based on like everything he has ever done, I would say no, right? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he, I don't think he understands what baseball what a job actually to have. Is. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I, I, look, anytime you can screw up as badly as he has with, the Astros thing and just continue to keep your job. Like, I don't think it, at this point, nobody can be surprised that he makes a, an ass out of himself, but he makes but, people miss Bud Selig. <laughs> Sorry, go on. We're, we're talking no, about here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bud, Bud Selig is just sitting back in his, you know, whatever cabin he's staying at nowadays. He's just like, you're doing great, Rob. <laughs> he's killing doing, it. Yeah. Yeah. People are calling for me to come back. This is incredible. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think like at, at, it's, it's tough to, to hold all these conversations because they are going to come off as cynical. They are, it's very easy to sound disingenuous no matter what side that you are talking from, right? Whether, I don't even think you and I are really in the business of taking sides on this, right? The only side mm-hmm. I think I, I, I technically come down on is I would like to see basketball this year, right? Um, but, but even that, like if it, if it isn't possible, if it isn't safe, then you know, then that's, that's the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, the one thing that I would say to everybody is that like, whenever they do resume, and I, I still say whenever, I, I still am firmly, firmly in the camp that this will get figured out. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever it is that they do come to an agreement on, it will be just that. It's going to be an agreement. It's been, it's, it's being negoti- negotiated uh, now more publicly than it was before. Uh, but whatever decisions, whatever protocols they fall on, uh, the, the NBA players have to recognize that that is something that the players union uh, negotiated for them. And the owners have to recognize the situation that they're putting these players in just so that the NBA can continue to uh, generate revenue. So however this thing plays out, this is, this is the, the bed that they made. 
whether or not that bed contains somebody else in it is 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 apparently negotiable. I saw that coming. It's a, <laughs> a good turn of phrase there, Anthony. Well, you know, we we began this podcast talking about players using their leverage, you know, in political situations, and it stands to reason that they would use it in terms of the NBA restart as well. So, yeah, uh, I mean, you and I both think that something's going to get agreed upon. I think that's probably the safe assumption and uh, just hopefully everyone's taken care of and they measure the risks as well as possible Yeah, because it's still scary. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been I Love Basketball. Make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your shows and have a nice day. Yeah, 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 yeah,